Holy Spirit gives, we're looking at the Holy Spirit, but specifically at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so last week was kind of the intro. And, and in the intro, I, I mentioned this, because um, there's two camps when talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's one that says, no, 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 hold on. The gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. They no longer exist. They ended in the early church. And so we actually shouldn't see any of those things. They would uh, say that any of the gifts, that the supernatural gifts, if we see them, we should know that they're not from God. That is one camp. The other camp is like, no, 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 we believe that they continue, um, that they still exist. And so a lot of people tend to ask, well, where does Rooted land on this? We're on this end. We believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue today, that God still works in and through them to equip the local church. That is the purpose of these gifts. We saw this last week. The purpose of the gifts is to equip the local church so that we might see and understand who God is uh, fully. All right, and so uh, this week we will just continue in that. And so if you have uh, a Bible, you can meet me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I believe it will be up on the screen as well. And so what I like to do is I read our passage uh, for this morning to us, and then I pray. Uh, I pray for you. I pray that God would do something more powerful than we could ever imagine right here this very morning. All right, and so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 12 until twenty. Six is where we will be. Hear these words of our Father. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. No, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let's pray. Father, we are incredibly thankful for your word. Um, we're thankful that it continues to transform the individual lives of people. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do a work that only you can do this morning. Uh, would you meet us where we are, that we are in desperate need of you. And the Holy Spirit, you would uh, move in this place so that we might see and understand uh, who you are and how you work in our lives as individuals and uh, as a body. Uh, Father, I pray against any distractions here this morning. And so it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body. Uh, think through my mind. Speak through my vocal cords, those things you'd have us know, say, and do. May the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May they be a sweet fragrance to you. God, you are our king. You are our redeemer. Would you have your way in this place today? In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
Uh, we live in a context uh, where individualism is kind of put on a pedestal. Uh, it's all about who you are, right? The uniqueness of who you are. In fact, there's this pursuit to figure out who I am and, and, and what I'm all about, right? And it's, and it's so elevated that the church has kind of come in and said, listen, we need to preach against that, right? This idea of individualism is wrong, that we need to preach against it. But, but this is what Paul does in our passage this morning. He kind of changes gears on that a little bit, right? Where the church maybe today is, is, is bashing this idea of individualism, is saying that it's not just about who you are and, and your uniqueness and your gifts. Um, Paul comes in and he says, no, no, hold on. But we must also remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are unique, that God took time in creating you and molding you and shaping you and giving you all that you are that you are an individual, and that is beautiful. But this is what he says. This is what he says. In fact, if you hear nothing this morning, if you're thinking to yourself, mm, I might check out this morning, I might take a quick nap, listen to this because this is the essence of the sermon. And that is, your individualism is only incredible when it is integrated into the inner workings of the body of Christ. Man, that was, that was good, right? That was, and I think like it fits the criteria for, t for Twitter, so you can, it's, like you can, if you want. Paul tells us this morning that your individualism is only incredible when it is integrated into the inner workings of the body of Christ. And so Paul says, no, listen, your individualism is important because you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are unique, that there's no one else like you on the earth. God took time in making you. Some of you guys need to hear this because maybe the circumstances of how you were born, maybe some might call a mistake, but in God's eyes, you are no mistake. That you are beautifully made and that you are unique. But then this is what he says, that that uniqueness, that beauty, that individuality must be, must be integrated into the body of Christ because only then will we understand who we are and our purpose. That's what Paul says this morning. And Paul uses the body metaphor as an illustration to build this case for the church, the, the beauty of the church, the fact that it is made of all these unique individuals who gather together so that we might worship God. He uses the body as a metaphor to illustrate this. We, we just saw it now when we read these verses, particularly from verse 12 to verse 20, where he unpacks the body and he talks about all the different parts. He's saying, listen, they are unique in their individuality, but they come together as a body. But then he, he hammers the point in verse 27 of the same chapter. We didn't read it, but, but I believe it'll be up on the screen. He hammers it when he says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now, before we jump into this, I think it's important to ask the question, how is it that all of us who are different, how is it that we can now become one body, right? All of us who are different, we're different color skins, different cultures, different socioeconomic classes, different preferences. How is it that we can become one body and this body of Christ? He gives the answer in verse 13. The answer is the gospel. 
It's because of the gospel. He says in verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. I love the fact that he puts that in there because he says it's regardless of your race, your culture, your socioeconomic status, your previous situation. Whether you were a slave, maybe you grew up as a slave. When you cross the line of faith, when you give your life to Jesus because of the gospel, he says, you become part of the body. You become part of the body. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Of one spirit. All of us. One spirit. And this makes us one body. It's because of the gospel. Paul says something similar in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 5. He says, Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. All of us who gave our lives to Jesus, we were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so he says, listen, for all who have crossed the line of faith, for all who have received the gospel, you are now part of the body. You are integrated into a family. You're no longer an orphan who sits outside, but you're a child who has a seat at the table. And that we have our Father's ear. We get to engage with him. We have a relationship with him, all of us, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did on the cross. So the church does not function as a collection of separate individuals. We're going to see this over and over and over again as we walk through this passage. Though unique and wonderfully made, right? I want you to hear that. Though you are unique and wonderfully made, we do not function as a collection of separate individuals. The church doesn't even function like a democracy. It doesn't. The church does not function like a democracy. There is never a 51% to 49% victory. We don't have that. Or at least they shouldn't be because I know there are many churches that maybe function that way. But if we read the scriptures, it is clear that the church does not function like a democracy. There are no party lines. It's more vitally connected than that. The church functions as a body. The church you and I, we function as a body. Hence the language of the body of Christ. Maybe we should think of our own bodies, right? To talk about how we are vitally connected, though individually made. Let's just think about our own physical bodies. See, when you hurt your toe, when you uh, bump your toe on something, the whole body reacts, right? Such a small little thing, but the whole body reacts. Our legs react. We maybe bend our knees, we raise our feet, our eyes get watery, our face cringes. And then depending on your pain tolerance, you maybe scream. Our whole body reacts because we are vitally connected. The body works seemingly and organically together. There are no individual decisions to be made. There are no individual decisions to be made. And where that happens, in the body, right, we're still talking about our physical body, where that happens, usually that means something is wrong. 
It usually means something is wrong. I, I struggle because I, I have these uh, spasms every now and then. Like all of a sudden, I'll just jump. That means that something is wrong. It means that something is wrong. And so the body of Christ functions the same way. We act as a whole unit. And yet, in its unity, it displays great diversity. Even in its unity, the body displays great diversity. The toes are unlike the ears. The eyes are unlike the fingers. And on and on and on it goes. Their diversity is not a hindrance to their unity. It's not. It's not a hindrance to their unity, but an absolute necessity. It's not a nice to have. That's the point that Paul is making. Our diversity is not like this really cool thing that we get to, to do or we get to have. It's incredibly vital to who we are. It's vital to who we are. The body can't function if it was made up of a hundred eyes or a hundred ears or a hundred armpits. Like just think about that for a moment. How weird would that be if someone walked in and the entire body is just ears? Like it's weird. It's weird. It's dysfunctional. But yet, for some strange reason, the church, right, after reading this over history, the church has normalized this. Because that's, maybe that's, yo, yo, that's the super reformed church, so all the reformed people go there. No, 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 that's the charismatic church, and so all the charismatic people, you have any gifts, of, like charismatic gifts, you go there. We've normalized it. A- and yet, when we talk about the body, at least when Paul unpacks it, he says, no, there's something dysfunctional about that. If, if this one church has just one personality, everyone there is exactly the same. It's like, no, we're super cool. Like, check how we're growing. Check how big we are. No, there's something dysfunctional about that. Do we see it in the scriptures? Paul wants the church members to see themselves as integrally tied to one another, like the various members of the actual human body. That's what Paul wants us to see. He wants us to see the the beauty of interdependence, right? The beauty of interdependence, that yes, we are individual and uniquely made, but we need one another. We need one another, and that is beautiful. I know our culture says something different. Our culture tells us that, like, man, you shouldn't tell people that you, you need them, that you actually need help, that maybe you're not good at that. Like, you shouldn't tell because you should show up and put on the appearance of, like, I've got everything together and that I don't need you. And Paul says, no, 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 there's, there's something beautiful in our interdependence. Look with me in verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. This is so true. This is so true. I mean, we think about the, the, the tongue maybe, right? Like I often don't think about my tongue. It just works. It just works. Some might say it's, maybe it's the weaker part of our body. It's like, well, Maybe for you it's the ear, your toes. And don't just think the external, think the internal as well. We never really think about like how our liver functions and is it working until something is wrong, right? 
because we don't see it. But Paul says, no, hold on. Maybe, maybe we should think differently as the church. On the ones that we maybe don't see, should we not bestow greater honor? I read from verse 23, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty. Right? We cover up those parts that we just, we just don't want people to see. It's, no, it's, it's important to me. It's, it's private to me. There's only one person that I, I want to see that. I bestow great modesty on that. Verse 24, which are more presentable parts do not require. It's almost ridiculous to consider members of the body deciding they don't need one another. It's foolish to think that, right? To think our body maybe functions that way. Paul wants us to see that even the weakest member of the body is indispensable. I love the word indispensable. That we need it. We need it. We can't do without. This is something all of us need to hear. All of us need to hear this. Because we are all deathly afraid of being dispensable. You may not say it. You may not act like it, but all of us have that fear. We have that fear of, of, of thinking like, man, they're not going to need me anymore. They're just going to toss me out. Right? What value do I bring? Maybe I, I can't sing. Maybe I can't stand up in front of people and teach. And, and so what value do I give? We all have that fear of, of not being noticed, of being cast away, of being tossed away, of being asked the question, so what, what value do you actually bring? Like, what actually do you do? We all have that fear. And this is why people will move from community to community to community to community. We treat the church like a spiritual buffet. And we do so because we'll go, well, because I don't fit in, right? Because I don't fit in, then maybe I shouldn't get in, right? All of us do this. Oh, because I'm different, because my, my personality is different. The things that I like are, are different. And so you automatically think, well, maybe this isn't a place for me. Maybe I don't belong. And so because I don't fit in, then I, I don't want to get in. We forget that God has uniquely made us. That you are different. You are meant to be different. Because you offer the body something that it may not have, but it desperately needs. Scripture tells us that we are part of the body of Christ. That we are indispensable. All of us, we are indispensable because we've been bought by the blood of Christ. And so are the other members of the church, that they too are indispensable. So it's not just you. You may hear that maybe for yourself, but you need to hear it for others as well, that they too are indispensable. That despite what culture says, despite maybe what I tell myself, right, that it's all about me, myself, and I, just despite that, the scriptures say the more diverse, the better. The more diverse, the better. That's what scripture tells us. And this displays, this diversity, it displays the beauty of the gospel. It, was one of the most, it is one of the most powerful ways to display the gospel. One of the most powerful ways to display the gospel is the diversity of the body of Christ. 
that people can walk in. Think about it. Before I even get up and say anything, someone can walk in who does not know Jesus and go, how on earth, how on earth do you people, like why do you do this? That already is communicating the gospel. Why? Because the gospel brings people together from all walks of life. That we are all part of the body. That God is forming a family for himself from all people. God is forming a family for himself from all people and they become the body of Christ. And this body is incredibly important. It's incredibly important. But, but let me continue to make the point of how we are connected because, because I think sometimes uh, culture can speak so loudly that we'll amen this silently because our silent amen is. Um, so you'll amen this and then you'll walk out there and then you'll be drowned by the culture that says it's just about you. All right, so, so, so let me make this point again. Think about how vitally connected we are. If a person has back problems, right, if you have back problems and, and this person reaches for something, they injure their back. The other parts of the body would have to compensate for the role of that person's back. You guys see where I'm going with this? Say now this person, let's make her female. If she wants to wash her hands in the basin, she will have to lean over a, in a certain way or bend her knees in a specific way to now support her weight because of her sore back, right? That, that's what's happening. But now what if the knees didn't want to bend, right? What if they just turned to her and said, uh, not today, I don't want to bend that way. Or maybe they turn and they, and they look at her and they say, this is why you should have done CrossFit. Like imagine, imagine if that was to happen. That did happen to me about two years ago. Um, no. The body doesn't function that way. The body doesn't function that way. What does it do? It finds a way. It finds a way. If there are any difficulties or deficiencies, the other parts will naturally compensate. And will they be inconvenienced? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, I, I make this point because sometimes we get so frustrated and we get so angry when maybe we have to step in a little deeper, a little further, because maybe another part of the body is hurting. And we may not say it, right, but the bitterness and the anger that grows in our hearts, because now I have to do more than I was supposed to, forgetting that the other part of the body is hurting. They're hurting. But this, when we do this, right, when we do this, it communicates again the beauty of our interdependence, that this is what we were created for. This is what we were created for. And so for the, for the very reason that the knees don't turn to the back and go, what's wrong with you? But rather they go, how then, how then should I bend in order to, to make sure that the body continues to function, communicates to us that that is how we are meant to function as the body of Christ. That is how we are meant to function as the body of Christ, that we are to step in. We're to step in and serve and love and care for one another because this displays the beauty of our interdependence. 
So what is this beauty of independence, right? What exactly is this? Well, Paul answers it in the text. And he says two things about the beauty of independence. The first is that the beauty of independence is a result of God's masterpiece. It's a result of God's masterpiece that it's always been the plan of God. It has always been the plan of God. This beauty of independence. But the interdependence, thank you. But then the second thing that we see is that the, the beauty of interdependence expresses mutual care. So not only is it, is it a, a result of God's masterpiece, but it, it expresses mutual care, this beauty of interdependence. But, but let's start with the first one. That is, as a result of God's masterpiece. Look with me in verse 24b where Paul writes, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. How does it show God's masterpiece? In those few words, Paul says that the, the kingdom of God is countercultural. That's how it shows God's masterpiece, is that the kingdom of God is countercultural. It's different from how the c- culture functions. That is how we see how beautiful God's masterpiece is. See, rather than being a sign of weakness, interdependence is God's beautiful design for the church. The church is meant to be a trailer attraction. I say this regularly from up here. The church is meant to be a trailer attraction of the fully restored humanity and displays God's original intention for humanity. We are meant to be countercultural to the society. That, that the world is meant to look at the church and go, hold on, there's something different happening here. There's something different happening here. That they don't function like we do. They don't treat one another like we do. God's masterpiece is that it's uniquely different from how the world functions. We don't exchange hurt for hurt or pain for pain or anger for anger. This is why the scriptures say you turn the other cheek. This is why Jesus says love your enemy. How countercultural is that? Someone hurt you? The world says you go hurt back twice as hard. The kingdom of God says, no, you extend, extend a hand of grace and you forgive. It displays God's masterpiece. It displays who God is, his attributes, his character, who he is. The weaker are indispensable. That's what the text says. The weaker are indispensable. The less honorable and unpresentable are actually seen as deserving more honor and greater care. That's what Paul writes here. They are seen as deserving more honor and greater care. Uh, maybe another way to say it is that the unnoticed, right, the unnoticed should be actually acknowledged and celebrated. Uh, so many times after, no, not so many times, that's, that's not true. There's been a few times uh, where I would preach a sermon and then people will come, like some of y'all will come and be like, hey man, that was a great, great sermon. Thank you so much. I'd be like, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Worked super hard this past week. Holy Spirit was phenomenal. Right? Because you get to see, you get to see me from up front. My, my gift is on display. The, the music team is exactly the same. That they, they get to display from up front. They have a platform and so everyone gets to see it. They see their gifts. But every now and then, we need to stop for a moment. We need to pause for a moment and acknowledge those who are 
not seen. Maybe those who don't have a platform. Because the text tells us to. Paul actually says that maybe they are deserving of more honor and actual greater care. And so I just want to do that for a moment. I want to acknowledge and celebrate those that are part of the body. They're indispensable. But because they want to be vitally connected to who we are, they make us flourish. They make us who we are. And so the Bible says honor. It doesn't say glorify. We glorify God. But I think we should honor men and women. We should acknowledge you. We should celebrate you. The Bible says we should. And so I'm going to take a few moments. I'm just going to call out their names and just say what they do. So I just want to honor them. And this is my way of saying to you, thank you. Right? Now, now I, I say it, maybe I should say it more to the music team. Y'all are incredible and I love you guys. I look in the mirror every now and then and I'm like, thank you. But, but, but I want to say thank you to, to Carlo who, who shows up here every Sunday early and opens up this place and sets up, helps sets up and put things together. And like he's the reason that we can present this stuff. He, he may just press the buttons, but we need someone to do that. To the point where, guys, I, I never look what's on the screen. I just trust him. And I know he has a team of folk that do this, um, um, but, but I trust, because like, I'll just keep reading and going, and, and I'll know it'll be up on the screen, and, and you guys will read it. And, and so I'm just, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that you do. I'm thankful for OG and, and Dirk who work the sound. The fact that this happens, that you can hear me. I'm thankful for you guys. For, for Kyle, who's constantly thinking about our look and feel. We had Lakotla this uh, past Sunday, and, uh, this past Wednesday, and, and the guy that I was talking to, like he walked in, because they, they planted their church about four years ago, and so they were looking for space. And, and, and they came and looked here, and they, were, they walked in, and they were like, mm, no, ugly school hall, not happening, and they left and found another venue. And so, but he saw all of this, and he was like, man, how do you guys make it? His words were, how do you guys make this place look so sexy? I said, yeah, you need to speak to Kyle because he thinks through all this stuff. Like, he, he, he's actually written a document uh, about lighting. Yeah, like, he's like, he's, he's like, guys, we need to think about it, right? We need to think about it. Like, why do we have this kind of lighting? And, and, and when do we take it too far? When does it become uh, uh, all about us and, and, and focusing on us? No, but at the same time, we need to do something so that we, we display the beauty of who God is in his creative genius. Brother wrote an article on this. Like, I was like, I would have been happy with just the lights, man. That's cool, bro. Like, you didn't have to write the article. But I'm thankful for him. He's constantly thinking about that. I want to thank Willow and Catherine who, who, and their team. Like, as when I mention these people, I'm thanking their team as well. Like, for, for, for running the coffee and thinking through the coffee and making sure that we have enough coffee on a Sunday. Putting all of that together. Guys, it's phenomenal what they do. Like, I'll just get an email that says, hey, this is where we are. We've got X amount of coffee. We need X amount of tea bags. And I'm just like, man, I'm thankful that they do this and I don't have to. I'm thankful for my wife, right, for many things. But, but the fact that she, she, she kind of runs the treats that happen on a Sunday. So all the stuff that you eat puts that all together and communicates with people when to bring it. This is stuff we don't notice. We just, like, you just kind of walk in and you're like, oh, treats and coffee and chairs and lights. It just works. But there are people who have said, I want to be vitally connected to the body and I want to serve to display God's masterpiece. And I may not have a platform. 
and I may not be noticed, but I want to honor and celebrate you. Mike, who's not here because he just had a baby, but who's kind of transitioned his role to Klulo, who now focuses on making sure that we set up everything and we put together everything, that the, the kids' stuff has been put together. I saw him rush in this morning. I don't know if he was late or maybe they hadn't organized. He's like, dude, I need the keys. What's going on? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not putting your stuff out there. I'm just saying that's what I saw. And, and, but, but I'm thankful because then he sets up so we can send our kids there. And we have a place that our kids can go play and learn about Jesus. And I'm thankful for y'all. I'm thankful for Kirsty. Marion used to run our children's discipleship, but now Kirsty has kind of taken that over. Gosh, she doesn't sit in here. That every Sunday she's with our kids. She doesn't get to be a part of this. She listens. You know how she keeps up with this? She listens online. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Marion who runs our operations. She's been on maternity leave and she's thinking about coming back. Praise the Lord. Because I mean, jo- Jonah and I, we've managed, but it's not the same. But she runs our operations. That eat and run, guys, eat and run is, is chaos. It's chaos putting people together and where are you going? And, and then this person's like, oh, can I bring a friend? But you're supposed to sign up. By, no, but, but we're meant to be the church and gracious. And so come on, bring your friend. Then the, like at the last minute, oh, I'm not coming anymore. What? Okay, that changes things. Like, thankful. I'm thankful for Marion. I'm thankful for Yolindi, all our artwork, which she does for free, guys. I'm putting her out there. And I apologize if she did. It doesn't mean that like, you guys can go and ask her free stuff. In fact, if, if anybody does that, you can come speak to me. She does not do work for y'all for free. But all our artwork, I have so many people saying, hey, listen, man, like the stuff you guys put up on Facebook, that's super cool. Some of y'all don't even know who she is. She sees herself vitally connected to who we are. And then lastly, I want to thank Umit for, for taking just some, I mean, it's so small simply taking pictures. But that's a way of telling our story of who we are. She takes time to do that. And then posts them and says, this is so-and-so and and this is what they do. Or maybe we have an event and she takes pictures and says, this is is what God is doing. She's telling stories. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that she, like, I hear the woman's, because I've never been when it's all set up, but I hear the woman's bathroom is on point kind of jealous. Brothers, when are we going to freshen up our bathroom? But, but she, showed, she came to, on her own, didn't ask it, on her own, came and said, hey man, I, I like, just want to serve in this way. Because it, it, it makes our women feel special. That you are valued and that you are important. Because before that, man, right? And that was on me. They don't have a platform They are not seen. Many of you don't even know who they are. But because they're saying, I see myself vitally connected to the body, that I'm indispensable, that I've been bought by the blood of Christ, the same one that bought these individuals, this individual. God says that we are to honor them and that we are to provide greater care for them. God has made all members to fit and have a place in the body. All members to fit and have a place in 
the body and it's for the body. It's for the body. We see this in verse 18, but God, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. As he chose. Not you. Oh, is it choose? Is it choose? Chose, yeah. Got a distinction for English. as he chose. Remember, I said this last week, that the kingdom of God is not a democracy, but it's a kingdom with a king. And he knows what's best for us because some of us will go, man, I I want a platform, so maybe I should start singing. No. For some of you, someone needs to tell you, no, you don't have the gift of singing. But you should sing in the congregation. God chose He's a good God. He's sovereign and he's in control. And so he should have the ability to know what's best for us. And we struggle with this. We struggle with the good sovereignty of God. We really do. And when we struggle with this, what we're actually saying is, God, we actually don't trust you. We don't think that you know everything, that you're all powerful, that you see everything. And so maybe, maybe I should step into that role. Maybe I should sit on the seat because I know what's better. I love, I love how he answers Job in, in Job 30, 38. In fact, I'm going to read that for you guys because it's that great. Um, listen, listen to what he says. For all of us, and it's all of us, even me, even me, guys, like sometimes I'll have my fist to the heavens going, God, you don't know what's best for me, though. You have no idea what's good for me. I should be making decisions. I don't trust in the good sovereignty of God. Listen to his response. Job 38, from verse 1, he says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. He said, Who is this who obscures my counsel? Right? Honor, who are you to, to throw your fist to the heavens with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man. You know it's about to get real if someone says that to you, right? When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have any understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. This is sarcasm. This is the sarcasm of God. He's like, well, so, so, certainly you know. All right, let me take a step back. You tell me. You tell me. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Who supports its foundations? Who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from its womb? Because you know, you know what's good, right? You tell me. Who did that? I quickly realized in that moment, yeah, I'm not sovereign. I'm not in control. He goes on and, you guys should read this. It's phenomenal. He goes on and on and on. It's a thing, it's now a passage that I go to regularly when I'm like, you know what? But like, God, I know what's best for this church. God says, Okay. Who created everything and not just created it, but sustains it? Was it you? God has uniquely made us and he has gifted you for the benefit of the body. So the beauty of our interdependence is is to show God's masterpiece. But the second thing that we see is that, that the beauty of interdependence expresses mutual care. It expresses mutual care. We see this in verse 25 and 26. 
that there may be no divisions in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, if the church members are organically interdependent on each other, they will experience joys and pains of the body as one unit. If our hands are crushed in a tragic accident, our entire body experiences the pain in some shape or form. If the hand expresses permanent damage, the entire body will continue to struggle as it works to make up for the loss of the hand. And if our hand were cut off, the body would experience permanent loss. And it's important to note that the hand will die. If cut off, the hand will die in its isolation. We express mutual care together. Where one suffers, we all suffer. Where one rejoices, we all rejoice. But the world says something different. Oh, someone's suffering? None of my business. You do you. Oh, it's different when it comes to rejoicing, right? Like everybody then is like, mm, it's a party. Mutual care. Mutual care. If the hand were to go rogue and decide that it no longer wanted to serve the body for whatever reason, whatever reason the hand decides to go rogue, it would be of great harm to the entire body. Because this would be you denying God's beautiful masterpiece of interdependence and believing the lies of the devil that you were made for you. You yourself. You believe the lie and you deny God's beautiful masterpiece. And I say this because some of us have gone rogue. Some of us have gone rogue. And you may not say it and you may not be doing it, but maybe even in your heart you've gone rogue, you've checked out, you're no longer part of the body, you don't see the benefit, you're going, ah, oh, but it's just about me. Or maybe because I'm not getting a platform, then why should I even bother? Or maybe because someone hurt me, instead of being countercultural and displaying God's masterpiece, you go, you know what, I'm going to exchange hurt for hurt. Some of us have gone rogue. And we need to remember, we need to remember though it may be difficult to be a part of the body and the more diverse, the more challenging it becomes, it may be difficult. We are called to, to be a part of the body, to love one another, to serve one another, to pour out grace over one another, to express mutual care. So what does all of this have to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You might be sitting there going, Man, I, thought, I thought we were, like this is good stuff, but... When are you going to get to prophecy and, and that, like, controversial stuff? What, what does this have to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What, why does Paul insert this here? See, Paul is cementing that in the diverse body of Christ, they are a diversity of gifts. That's what Paul is cementing. He, he wants us to understand this and to not forget. Don't forget it because we are forgetful people. So he starts off, last week we saw this, he starts off by listing nine of the spiritual gifts and then we'll see next week he's going to unpack more spiritual gifts. So why in between talk about the body? It's because he wants to cement this. He knows that, listen, it's going to get crazy. People are going to start doing some gift grabbing. As soon as he starts listing them, it's like, ooh, I want that one. That's a nice one. Oh, that one gets me book deals. Definitely want that one. It's about to get crazy. And so he cements it. He says, listen, we are a, a diverse body and we have diverse gifts. And that all of them, all of them, all of them, whether they are seen or not, whether they have a platform or not, all of them are necessary for the flourishing of the entire body. And that no gift is more important than the other. 
In fact, it's the ones that we don't see on stage or with platforms that we should acknowledge and honor. Paul cements this and he says, listen, you've all been brought with the body of Christ. All of us have been brought with the body of Christ. And we should see one another as that. Children of the kingdom of God. Indispensable. Valued. If we are to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we first have to understand this. If you don't get this, you leave the gifts of the Holy Spirit alone. We are the body of Christ. Let's pray. And so, Father, with that, we, we, we come and we ask that, that you would remind us, for those maybe who already know, and that you would instill in us, for those maybe who are hearing for the first time, that we are the body of Christ and that, Jesus, you are the head, that you are the one in charge, that you're the one leading and that you are good. You are sovereign. You love us more than we could ever imagine and that alone should be enough. But because not only did you die on the cross, you resurrected and ascended and that you are seated at the right hand of the Father. Not only did you give your life, but that you continue to give. You continue to give in our sanctification and us becoming more and more like you. And so then you give us gifts. You give us gifts and these gifts are given so that we might equip one another and display the kingdom of God. And so would that be true for us today and, and for tomorrow and for the following week and as we continue with our lives? We want to display you. And to do that, we need to be first anchored in you. And so would you do that to all of us as a body? May your Holy Spirit work in us in a powerful and profound way. Father, we love you. We pray, praise you. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen.